I'm so glad to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Coming up in a few minutes, how would you feel if the federal agency watchdog looking out for you was actually helping a company peddle a card with all kinds of fees? It is a true Clark rage. Just wait till you hear what the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau has been up to. And coming up later, contact lenses have gone up by huge amounts in recent years as the industry has engaged in cartel kind of practices like OPEC. I want to tell you about the fight going on for your eyes and the attempts to offer lower prices for contact lenses, what you need to know coming up later. Our main website's clark.com, and we have a question for me. You can go to clark.com slash ask. I want to talk to you about something that when I brought it up in our pre-show staff meeting where people from our websites and from TV and our off-air center all together, of the things that we discussed recently, Nothing generated more animated conversation and talking over each other than what I'm about to share with you. There is a movement around the country where people are pulling up perfectly good lawns and putting down fake grass. And my middle brother did this where he has now a yard of fake grass, looks beautiful, and it has uh, fake weeds in it and other things so that it looks more like real grass on that lawn. And so what brought this up was there was a story in the Wall Street Journal last week about people who are putting in fake lawns and how the fake lawns are now being designed in a way that they have imperfections in them, so they look more like a real lawn, cost more to put in up front, but you eliminate the need for lawn care or watering. In a lot of the country, the cost of water for irrigation has gotten to be a zillion dollars. Zillion is a technical term, it means it costs a lot every month for you to keep that lawn watered. I've talked for years about how in Nevada, particularly in areas in and around Las Vegas, people are paid to tear up their grass lawns and put in natural desert scapes. And I've seen in in, uh, some suburban Las Vegas communities where people are putting down the artificial grass because they just like the green look and they don't want to go to the desert scape. But you get paid so that you're not using water to water a lawn. And so it is a matter of personal preference. But the funny thing in the Wall Street Journal story was that people are doing it in various places around the country where they are installing what's referred to in the industry as synthetic grass and the cost of doing so is roughly up front about six times what it costs to plant a lawn, a traditional real lawn. But that over time, 
what you save by not having to uh, to have a lawnmower or hire a company to take care of your yard, not having to water and all the rest, the synthetic lawn ends up being a whole, whole lot cheaper. And it looks perfect every single day. Now, I told you that, but my crew was, as a small sampling group of 20-plus people, they were overwhelmingly negative. I was the only one who thought it was a good idea. wonder what you think about synthetic lawns. Oh, I'm wrong? What? You're making faces, Kim, and gestures. I was embarrassed to speak up during the meeting, but I 100% agree with you. I hate my yard, and if I could dig it up and make it all fake and never have to do lawn work again, I would be thrilled. All right, so wait. We are a show of action. We are active, <laughs> not passive. I heard would, would, could. Well, wait, wait, wait. Right. So what's keeping you? The money. The article that six I Six times the cost. Yeah, I don't have that right now. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. That's all I got. And right now it's free labor. It's me doing it. So it's a nice thing to dream about. But um, yeah, I can't afford that right now. But you are willing to tell yes. millions of people what you wouldn't tell 20-some-odd <laughs> numbers of there, your own there's colleagues. A, there's a lot of crosstalk, you know. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, Rhonda, you get to have the last word. Oh, all right. What do you think, uh, synthetic grass or real grass for the lawn? We have real on our end. And would you consider putting in fake grass? Not at this time. Okay. Oh, you said that very politically correct. That was wonderful. Not at this time. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, thank you for taking my question today. Sure. What is your question today? Uh, we're just about 15 years into our 30-year mortgage, and it carries a 4.375 interest rate. And wanted to find out your thoughts and, and recommendations about refinancing the balance to a 15-year. Well, I love that idea if you're halfway through. And if I want to get really greedy for a minute with your money, mm -hmm. it might be a good idea for you to look and see, since the rates would be so much lower, what kind of payment you'd have if you went into a 10-year loan. Oh, okay. The 10 years, it's a credit union-only product, typically, 10-year fixed-rate mortgages. But mm -hmm. they tend to carry really, really favorable rates because um, the the risk to the lender is so tiny. With you know, if somebody's of a mind that they want to have an ultra short mortgage, the chances they're going to default on that loan, or it's not zero, but it it's pretty close. So for the lender, right. they don't have to worry about foreclosure risk. And it seems true with a with a 15-year. It's just the lender can more accurately predict what they're facing in terms of interest rate risk doing the 10-year loan versus the 15. So you, like, you likely might find a rate in the twos. Oh, wow. Okay. Are you a member okay. of a credit union yet? Yes, we are. So I would go talk to them about uh, what you'd face per month in a 10-year loan, be able to compare that to what you'd face in a 15-year, 
But in either case, with how interest rates have dropped recently because of uh, some economic slowing, not a recession, but economic slowing, means that it's become a favorable time for you to look at a refinance. Now, let me tell you something weird, okay? Okay. If the Federal Reserve starts signaling pretty strongly they're going to keep cutting the interest rates they control, the Mm -hmm. weirdest thing is that mortgage rates then go up, not down. Because when the marketplace starts to believe that the Federal Reserve isn't serious about holding down inflation anymore, then people that would lend money for long term, like on a mortgage, want more interest to lower their risk for that mortgage payment. So you're kind of in a good window right now to go shop at 10 and 15. That's great. So um, if we were considering moving in, probably if we do move, it'd be another five years out. Um, Would you still think this would be a good time to look at refinancing what we currently hold? Yeah, because you're going to make back those closing costs easily in that time period. Think about if you took out a 10-year loan, you're going to wipe out so much of your remaining mortgage balance that what you'll get at the time you sell will be a great deal more equity back. Right, especially here in the uh, Portland metro area in Oregon here. Well, but you don't know. I mean, Portland has had such a run-up in home values. You don't know that that trend line is going to continue as it's been. Very true. Very true. So I think it's I think it's really a good time for you with that 15-year remaining, and you've got so much room with your current rate at uh, approximately 4.6% that you're going to be able to have a lot of advantage to doing that refi, especially if you go to a credit union where the closing costs, because it's a co-op and it's there to serve its members, they're going to offer you typically pretty decent deals on the closing costs. Jay joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jay. How you doing, Clark? How you doing today? I'm doing great, thank you, Jay. And you want to talk about 529 plans? Yeah, I know. I hear a lot of questions. I, I listened to you for the last, I don't know, five or ten years now, I think. I know a lot of people ask about the 529. And um, so my question is, so I got one through the Nevada plan. Um, I'm actually in the military, been in the military 21 years now. Thank you for um, your service. Which branch? In the Navy. The Navy. Yeah. So, so my question is: so I got it in the in Nevada plan. You know, I looked on your site. So, so I, which ocean did you sail out on as a Navy man from Nevada? <laughs> no. <laughs> were were well, you, you know, were you I'm, waiting I'm Were you waiting for the for the big one that would make Nevada oceanfront or something? No, no. So, so, so. Listen. Now, hold up. Now, you know, I'm with one of your companies that you like. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, you know, I'm gonna go to the name. I hope that I can. USA. I'm with them. I'm with USA. Okay, um, great company. Yes. So, yeah. So, but you know, the 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 five twenty nine, they got it. And I guess I didn't pick it. I guess they already had it set up for Nevada. I guess that's the one they use. I guess. Okay. And I really, I really didn't know until I start looking at my statements, and it said Nevada plan. <laughs> okay. So, but I'm I'm a, I'm actually a resident of South Carolina, so what I, what I was asking was should I keep the Nevada plan or you know switch over to South Carolina since for a tax advantage 
forth, you know, I, you know, I filed state taxes with South Carolina. Right. So there'll be no advantage um, in terms of moving money that you already have okay. in the Nevada plan, but future yeah. contributions, because you can have more than one, or you can just move the money over to South Carolina's plan. South Carolina's what's known as direct sold plan is yeah. on my what I call teacher's pet list. And so if you were to go in the South Carolina plan, if South Carolina, in fact, offers a state tax benefit for contributing to a 529, since their plan is good enough to be a teacher's pet plan, then yes, you would want to participate in their plan moving forward. But only if South Carolina offers you a tax benefit for contributing to their state plan. And I think they did, because I had went to the website in that, you know, and they did. I just wanted to know. I know Nevada's. I think was on your your on your on your thing too. Said it was okay okay too. Um, they actually do it from um, you know you know contribute to their to theirs too. I just wanted to make sure if I move it to South Carolina, I'm kind of winning. You know, I want to yeah. I want to win in the end. So the win is only you know? for future contributions, not the money you've already yeah. contributed. I got you, I got so you. So when, okay, when the states do those tax benefits, they do them specifically to attract new money into their 529 plan. So money that's already been in a 529 plan doesn't count as a new contribution. But money you're going to put aside for your kids moving forward, there's an yeah. advantage to you being in a state plan. As long as the state plan's good, good, yeah. great, or incredible – which I guess are kind of other ways of saying the way I call it Dean's List Honor Roll and Teacher's Pet, is that if it's, if it's good like the South Carolina direct sold plan, then as long as you got that state tax benefit, bam, I'd go for it. Otherwise, you're fine staying with the Nevada plan you're in. Often the federal government, anything the feds do, any agency is extremely unpopular. But one federal agency has done very well in any surveys of the public or polling is the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau that has been there specifically to represent you and deal with rogue actions by banks and other financial organizations where there's never been a cop on the beat looking out for consumers till the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau was created. Unfortunately, the Bureau now has a director who is clueless and knows nothing about banking or finance. And I hate to say something bad about a particular individual, but the reality is, either out of naivete or cynicism, the new director of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau really doesn't get it. And in fact, recently, as reported by the LA Times, the bureau director is talking about a joint co-branding with H&R Block for their prepaid MasterCard. So the thing is, the prepaid MasterCard that H&R Block offers isn't any good. has a huge number of different fees you have to pay if you have their prepaid MasterCard. And this is the problem so often with any stored value or prepaid card is you pay fee on top of fee on top of fee. The LA Times outlined all these various fees you might have to pay 
uh, basic $5 every time you load money on it, among other fees. And so this is absolutely out to lunch by the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, acting like the very organizations they're supposed to oversee and when they get out of line, protect the public from acting like they're their best buds. And so this is, this is terrible. Consumer Financial Protection Bureau for now remains the best place at consumerfinance.gov to file a complaint. If you have a problem with any bank or financial organization, payday lender, anything like that. But it really worries me that they're interested in co-branding and co-marketing with one of the companies they're supposed to watch over. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. So, we got to talk. You know, the eyewear industry is one that has fully cartelized for eyeglasses. I talked about that not too long ago, and strategies for you to defeat the cartels. And now the contact lens battle has been going on for a number of years. And I've updated you from time to time. The contact lens industry has engaged in a variety of price-fixing practices. And they've been able to get eye doctors involved in helping with the price-fixing by creating financial incentives in the marketplace that eye doctors specifically write these ultra-expensive prescriptions for contact lenses. And so you as a consumer are in a rough battle. Well, there's a very controversial player in the business called Hubble. You may have seen them uh, promoted online especially. And Hubble offers contact lenses at a tiny fraction of the cost of what the cartel is now charging for lenses. Well, the long knives have come out because with Hubble, you pay, uh, works out to be about $40 a month for your contact lenses. And the industry is in terror because they saw what Dollar Shave Club did to Gillette and in various industries where disruptors come in into a business where the prices have gotten to the point where they're in the stratosphere and a disruptor comes in and offers a new way of doing things. So now there are a number of moves to try to rein in Hubble. And in addition, there was a story in the New York Times recently saying that Hubble could be dangerous to your eyes using their lenses. I'm not a medical professional. I can't speak to that. But it speaks clearly to the fear of the cartelized contact lens industry and its partners in this eye doctors who are in fear of lower income from disruptors. Now, in addition, Costco has been playing a big role as a disruptor in the contact lens industry by coming up with its own line of lenses that take on the cartel that are sold under the Kirkland Signature name, which is Costco's private label. And those lenses are a teensy tiny fraction 
of what's going on with the contact lens business where what happens is the doctor you go to for a contact lens fitting makes the big income not from the exam of you and fitting for a contact lens but on selling you massively overpriced contact lens boxes and so this is the unholy alliance between the cartel and the doctor who examines you and sells you the lenses and this is so similar to what's gone on in the hearing aid industry i can't believe it where americans pay 10 to 30 times the cost for hearing aids as people do outside the united states because the hearing aid industry in the united states is in a cartel you know it is just absolutely disturbing to me how as someone who is an ardent capitalist and free marketeer one thing that i believe so strongly is you have to have an antitrust cop on the beat and right now in the united states we don't have that so capitalism without a referee without a cop on the beat can get out of control to great harm to the wallets of the american people and we're seeing that in various industries and the contact lens industry is one another is eyeglasses where people are getting ripped off on filling their eyeglass prescription and thank goodness we have the various online sellers for uh, traditional frames and lenses that are selling those for from one-tenth to one-hundredth the cost of the eyeglass dispensing cartel in the United States. And so this is, this is the kind of stuff you need to know that there are industries in the United States that have been perverted to great harm to you and me as Americans, and you got to know how to fight back and protect your wallet. On the issues with Hubble, I'm, again, unqualified to speak on whether there are safety issues with using Hubble as a supplier for lenses. People who buy from Hubble and have no problems love it because they save so much money. But businesses like Hubble only find a marketplace, kind of like Warby Parker with glasses, they only find a marketplace because the pricing in the market has gotten out of kilter, out of whack, and that creates the room for the disruptors. Michelle is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Michelle. Hi. How's it going, Michelle? Oh, pretty good. And how are you? Great, thank you. You have a friend, though, who's not doing well. Tell me. My friend had a stroke recently, and a bunch of our friends are trying to decide how we can best help her. And so we had given some thought about maybe an online fundraiser, or I know sometimes people just use a bank account and ask people to make donations. And I'm just wondering what the best way to go about that is. And also I have questions about if any money that is raised, does that count as income for when she files taxes? That is a great question. One that we have not been able to get an absolute answer to when I've been asked that question before. And so okay. I, I'm not 
willing to say definitively on the tax side if that is money that just flows tax-free or not. I will say this, and that is that any individual can give any other individual $15,000 in a year without any tax implications for either the giver or the recipient. Odds are if you do a GoFundMe page or you do an account at a, a bank or credit union to raise money for your uh, friend who suffered the stroke, and I hope your friend has a great recovery from that stroke, but nobody's likely to ever give money of a size that would lead to a tax issue. Okay. So I, I um, kind of spoke out of both sides of my mouth there, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> um, are there any benefits to doing it through a bank versus online through like a GoFundMe? Or so the advantage, the, the, the advantage of doing GoFundMe or uh, there, there were competitors, but GoFundMe really dominates that market now, is that with GoFundMe, people can do it so easily and so quickly, where mm-hmm. if it requires today somebody writing a check and sending it to an account at a particular financial institution, most people aren't going to get around to that. Okay. So I think that the ease of use of doing a GoFundMe really is far superior in the results you'll get versus opening a bank account with this exception. If the people you're expecting to get money from are older than mid-50s, they're going to be more comfortable doing the thing where they have money go to a particular bank, an account at a particular bank. But if the people that are your targets that are most likely to donate money are younger, they're going to be much more comfortable doing something and much more likely to do something like GoFundMe. Do we need to keep records of all the donations received? Yeah, so you'll have that anyway. Okay. You'll have that automatically if you do an electronic account like a GoFundMe. At a bank, you'll know everybody who gave money to that account and how much. Okay. And do we send them receipts or it's not going to be like a that? it's not going to be a charitable donation of any kind. Okay. So that's okay. not necessary. Okay. So All it's right. really designed it's really designed to make it as easy as possible for you to do what you're trying to do and uh, what a good-hearted person you are to try to organize this for your friend. Thank you. And thanks for taking my call. And I hope it. your I hope your friend does very well with a what's typically a long recovery from a stroke. Albert's with us on the Clark Howard show. Hi, Albert. Hey Clark, how are you doing? Great, thank you. Albert, you got a different kind of medical question. It's really about identity theft. Yes, and it's funny you mentioned medical because only when I was in the Navy did I not have a problem giving up my social security number. Well, I'll just give you a quick summary. For the first 10 years when I was in the Navy, I never had a credit file. So the first time I applied for a loan in 1988, I was disapproved because they had no history on me. And I kind of want to go back to that. Um, since I quit working, I'm now 59. And um, I was listening, I've been a long time listener. And I saw that you said there are certain SSNs that are available to use, especially when you go to like doctors and stuff like that, because I really have an issue when 
every transaction I do, I do cash only um, or debit card. I have no use for credit cards, so I figured I would call in or at least ask, you know, how can that, um, I can get access to that so I could just give to these doctors because every visit to a dentist um, is, I pay in full and I walk away, so I don't create debt. Well, that is great, but you know, medical offices, hospitals, doctors, labs, uh, they all want your social security number. And yeah. they're creating such a vulnerability for you and for others when they do that. Yeah. And that's why I have put up a list on our show notes on yeah. Clark.com. Sorry? And I've had my credit frozen for years. Too. That's great. And so that but means if I there's... could get additional way to, you know, protect myself, I'd be very appreciative of that. Yeah, so... There are numbers that Social Security never assigns, and mm-hmm. and I've got a list you can use. I also have a thing about how you can create a number that no one else will have, and so it is right. it is easier than you might imagine to be able to give a doctor's office or any other medical office a fake Social Security number that won't cause a problem for any other living being. Right. And so I uh, doctors are going to continue to have on their medical forms a blank for social security numbers even though it creates a potential uh, risk for a medical mm-hmm. practice or a medical facility if their systems get hacked and they cause right. real problems for people, you know, it could cost them money, but they're so interested in being able to have the information a debt collector wants to have on you, which starts with your social security number. So that's why I've got, um, if you go to my show notes, you'll be able to see how you create one that will absolutely work. I've got samples of ones you can just use. It's a list where you can just pull one of the dummy numbers I've got for you, or you can see how you create your own that will be one that will never be in somebody else's hands. And some of this stuff is pretty humorous that you can create as a social security number. Uh, Nobody ever notices in a medical facility. It's so funny that they don't notice some of the humorous ones that people will use. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Lee is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Lee. Hi there. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good, good. 
So you have a question that is difficult for all of us uh, as parents. Yes, yes. Um, so my question was, is what would be your suggestion for a good parental control app, um, both for either iPads and or we have an Android phone now for our older daughter? So there are now a number of competitors that offer products or services, whatever you want to call them, in the marketplace so that you can basically watch what your kids are up to and control their use as well. And they range in capabilities, uh, how simple they are to use, and the price point. So I want to give you, if it's okay with you, I'd like to not pick one for you. I'd like to give you three for you to go look at and see what most suits you, okay? That would be great. Uh, First, I'll tell you the one that seems to be best known is Bark, B-A-R-K. Okay. I don't know if you've heard of Bark, but the website I need to make sure you know is bark.us. Okay. And it's $100 a year for a family. So you don't pay per family member. It's one of those things that's cheaper by the dozen the more kids you have. Right, the right. better it is. <laughs> and then the second one is from, I know this is going to be weird, but it's from a Russian company called Kaspersky, which is a well-known company for antivirus products. And okay. they have one that's called Kaspersky Safe Kids. And okay. it has a number of different products. And you have to look at each one and see which is the one that that does exactly what you're looking for. So it has capabilities that you know where your kid is. You're able to regulate what your kid can do on devices. You're able to see where they've been on devices, all those kind of things. And do you want me to spell Kaspersky for you? Nope, I think I have that one. Um, oh. I happened to see that once when I was looking, and that one sounds familiar. That right. I can, and why um, all these that. use such such difficult names? I don't know. <laughs> but there's another one called Custodio. Have you seen that one? And that one starts with a Q, correct? Yes, Q-U-S-T-O-D-I-O <laughs> dot okay. com. And that one, um, you know, varies in terms of how many devices slash people you're trying to oversee. Right. And so that one ranges from 55 to nearly $150 a year, depending on the capabilities. And I know people want me to come up with some free product for this, but -hmm. the complexity of doing these things is such that I think you really have to subscribe to one of these things instead of expecting them to be free. I'd love for you to post on Clark.com which one you decided was best for your family. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com. 